One of the ongoing, I won't call it a fight, but I will call it a discussion maybe, that me and my wife have, uh, we have a couple of them, since we've been married, even like while we were engaged. One of those was the difference in how you say the word. Okay, she says the word pecan, but I think that's weird. I say pecan, all right? So I don't know if you're pecan or pecan. I don't know. Let us know there in the, it's spelled the same way. So I don't know how you let us know, but uh, pecan or pecan. And all right, that's one discussion. I won't call it a fight that we've had since we were engaged. The other one has to do with grits. All right. Do we have any grits fans out there? You love Grits. All right. Give me some thumbs down. If you hate grits, if you think grits are terrible, uh, you would never eat grits. Uh, just give me a thumbs down or a mad face there. And uh, so, and just so everyone knows, everyone who gives it a thumbs down, we know you're a Yankee. All right. Cause you ain't from the South if you don't love grits. Or as my uncle Dan would say, if that ain't true, then grits ain't groceries. That was one of his saying. But so my wife and I, I love grits. She loves grits. But we have different attitudes or different, I guess, ways that we're going to prepare grits. So uh, go get you some Quaker oats and maybe try it. All right. My wife is weird. She likes to put sugar in her grits. Can you? That's disgusting. Why would anyone want to put sugar in their grits? We have, we have fought many times about this. She's, she is a, a sugar girl. She's going to put sugar in her grits. Me, on the other hand, I'm going with some salt. All right, so help me out. Type it in the feed. If you're a sugar person, put sugar on there. I'm just letting you know you're weird, okay? If you're a salt person, then you're, you know, we're in the same, we're in the same boat. But she likes her grits with sugar, which is weird. And I like mine with salt. I think we can all agree that butter is the way to go though. You got, you, you got to have butter. We can all agree on butter. But are you a, a sugar person or are you a salty person? And uh, we have been talking about the Holy Spirit. We've been in a series about the Holy Spirit. And today we are going to get into a topic that people have a lot of attitudes about. All right. Some people are sweet about it and some people are salty about it. Okay. And the, the message today is about spiritual gifts. I don't know how you feel about spiritual gifts. I don't know how you feel about First uh, Corinthians chapter 12 through 14. I don't know where you're at. You're either salty on gifts or your, or your sweet on gifts. And so today I actually want to speak to you. The title of this message is Grits, Gifts, and Grace. So I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I'm going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read it. It says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brothers Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call upon the name of the Lord, the Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Jesus Christ. 
For in him, you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack in any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. All right, so we're talking about grits, grace, and gifts, all right? So if you were to read this passage of scripture and if you were to look at it and and you were to read it in its original language, there would be something that would stick out to you. Paul talks about grace and he talks about spiritual gifts. But if you were to see it in this original language, here is what you would find, that the word used for grace and the word used for gift is almost the exact same word, okay? The word for grace is charis, charis in the Greek. The word for gift or the word spiritual gift that Paul is using here is charisma, charisma. So you got charis and you got charisma. I want you to notice how close those two words are together. It's almost the exact same word. This is really important and we need to see it, that there is not much difference really between grace and spiritual gifts. And here's why this is important because this is what I found. Some churches are sweet on grace. They like to talk about grace, but they're salty on gifts. They don't really know what to do with gifts. They don't really know how to operate in gifts. It's kind of weird to them. They can be sweet on grace, but salty on grits. And then the reverse of that is also true. Some churches are salty on grace, meaning the gospel. They're not, they don't really, they're not preaching a lot about Jesus and the cross and what he did for them on the cross, but they're really sweet on gifts. They're really sweet on movements of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, but they're not so much talking a lot about the grace of God. And and so what we need to see today is the attitude we have. You don't have to be salty on grace and sweet on gifts or, or, or sweet on gifts and salty on grace. Really, if you read it, according to Paul, they are not mutually exclusive. They are not apart from each other, but they are actually very close to each other. So for a moment, let's talk about maybe, maybe you've been to a church, maybe you've been a part of one where they're kind of real sweet on grace, but salty on the gifts. And listen, I thank God for grace. What is grace? When we're talking about grace, what is that? It's the gracious outpouring of God's mercy toward undeserving sinners. We're talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're talking about good news. Come on, we're talking about amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Even on our best day, what we're saying is we weren't good enough for salvation, but it was a free gift given from God. As Paul says elsewhere in Ephesians 2, he says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. All right. So sometimes churches can be real sweet on grace. They're all about the gospel, but they don't know what to do with the gifts, the spiritual gifts. They don't know what to do with healing and the gift of tongues and miracles. And they're not sure if it's for today. 
Uh, uh, there's an idea out there that the gifts belong to a past era. They call it the apostolic age, that the age we live in now, which is the church age, that the gifts no longer apply. And they might get this reasoning from 1 Corinthians 13, 8, where it says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfect comes, the partial will pass away. So Paul is saying, hey, at some point, the gifts of the spirit, all that will pass away. Love will be the only thing that goes on forever. We won't need those anymore. But when is that time going to come? It's when the perfect comes. It's when the end has come. It's when what God has started on the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and with his resurrection, when what was started comes to completion and the final purpose of God's saving work through the cross has been reached. But until that time, we need the gifts of the Spirit. The church, as we wait eagerly for the return of Christ, if you go back to that first scripture we read in verse seven, it talks about what do the gifts of the spirit do? They are building up the body of Christ as we eagerly wait for the final goal of seeing God's kingdom come and his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus rose from the dead, when when the resurrection came and the church was birthed, the son was beginning to rise and darkness was being beginning to be extinguished, but it's not fully risen yet. And I like what Karl Barth says. It says, because the sun rises, eventually all lights will be extinguished. We won't need the gifts. We won't need the lights anymore because the sun will be completely risen. God's kingdom will completely cover the earth. And then we will no longer need spiritual gifts. So that's one side. Maybe you've been a part of a church that's sweet on grace, but they're salty on gifts. But what about the reverse? What about the reverse? What about being salty on grace? And most of us would say, man, we're never salty on grace. We believe in the works of the Spirit. doesn't mean we don't talk about amazing grace and what Jesus has done for us on the cross. But listen, I encourage you today, I don't care how deep you are in the spirit. I don't care how many gifts you have in the spirit of God. We can never leave the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power at work inside of us that is saving us, okay? And here's what was going on in the Corinthian church. The Corinthians were excelling in spiritual gifts. They had that man, they they had all kinds of spiritual gifts. People were just... Uh, experiencing all kinds of uh, tongues and prophecies. And I mean, they were excelling in these gifts and even so much so that they began to start ranking gifts like, oh, well, I've got this gift and it's better than the one you have. And even they even started ranking their pastors. They even started ranking their leaders. They tried to put Paul was better or Apollos was better according to whatever power gift they had by the spirit of God. You can read in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says, but brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of flesh. As infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food because you weren't ready for it. And even you are not ready yet for you are still of flesh. For while while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh behaving in a human way? 
For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Listen, Paul is saying, hey, it's not about who has the greater spiritual gift. It's not about who is the best preacher. It's not about which one of us has the most, uh, well, he's healed five people and you've only healed two. I mean, it's not, we're not comparing each other with spiritual gifts and our, our heads aren't getting puffed up because we are experiencing gifts. But really it's about the one who gives the gifts. It's not about the people who receive the gifts. It's about the giver. And so Paul has to come back and deal with the Corinthians and show them that, hey, there is no difference between grace and a spiritual gift. There is no difference between a charis and a charisma. They are both given from the Holy Spirit. It's not by works. You can't boast in it. They are gifts from God. Just like salvation is a gift from God, so spiritual gifts are a gift from God. And he goes on to 1 Corinthians 12. And this is what he says. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. All right, what's Paul doing here to the Corinthians? Because it's kind of weird. Paul's going to talk about spiritual gifts, but then he goes into this whole thing about this confession that Jesus is Lord. What is, what is Paul doing? Paul is tethering spiritual gifts, spiritual experiences, spiritual and powerful manifestations of God's spirit. He is tethering that to the confession that Jesus is Lord. What is he doing? He is making sure that we are never taking the gift and taking it away and out of the context of the grace of Jesus Christ. Or in other words, any gift that you have from God, it's not so you can build yourself up. It's not so you can be known. It's not so you can be some big powerful person who works in the spirit. It's none of that. The gift that you have from God is to further and advance God's kingdom. The heavenly experiences you have, are all, you're always tethered to the, the confession, to the teachings, to the life of Jesus Christ. So you might be longing for spiritual experiences to take you to the third heaven. But before you get to the third heaven, you gotta know that Paul is trying to tether you here on earth. He's trying to keep your mind where it needs to be, which is on the kingdom of God, on the mission of Jesus, focused on what Jesus has called us to do of making disciples here. It's not about us just having crazy spiritual experiences. It's about those experiences being tied to the vision of the kingdom of God. We're tethered always to the gospel mission of Jesus Christ. If not, we'll get puffed up. If not, we'll get prideful. We'll get this superiority thing about us where we think because we prophesy or we speak in tongues or we pray for someone and they got healed, we will begin to think that we are superior to others that maybe that gift isn't operating in their life right now. And what Paul is trying to say is, no, 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 no. That gift, that charis, 
That charisma is really just a charis. That gift is really just a grace. And you don't have to pit the gospel against the gifts of the spirit. And you don't have to pit the, uh, the gifts of the spirit against the gospel and the saving work of Jesus. It's not both and. I'm sorry, it's not either or, but it is both and. It is both and. So what are exactly spiritual gifts? Okay, I wanna give you a definition here of spiritual gifts. It says, spiritual gifts are sovereignly given spiritual abilities to serve the Christian community. That's it. Spiritual gifts are sovereignly given spiritual abilities to serve the Christian community. They are gracious endowments from the Holy Spirit. You can't earn them. You don't get special gifts because you're some special person. They're all gifts of grace from God's Spirit. Spiritual gifts, they are the concrete expression of grace. A con- what do I mean? It means you can physically see them. It's something you experience. It's, it's, if, if grace is present, if the Holy Spirit is present, then how will you know he's present? You know he's present because he's working in the midst of his people, because he gives gifts of grace. They are signs of his presence at work in the midst of his people. You see why we still need the gifts of God for today? Why we need spiritual gifts? Because spiritual gifts are the proof. They're the concrete evidence that the spirit of God is at work in a community of people. I mean, if we don't have spiritual gifts, is the spirit even among us? Is he even with us? How would you know what makes us stand out? What makes us different? Go back to the Old Testament. Moses was trying to lead the people of God into the promised land. And and God told Moses, Moses, these people are stiff necked. They're hard headed. I ain't going with them. I'll send an angel with you, but I ain't going. And Moses said, no, 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 God, you have to go with us. You have to send your glory with us. It is your presence. It's the manifest presence of God among us that makes us different from every other nation out there. This is what makes us unique. In church, what makes us unique is when we gather that the spirit of God manifests himself with his gifts. He sends words of knowledge and prophecy and tongues and healings and miracles. It makes people realize that surely the presence of God is in this place. We need the gifts of the spirit in operation. It's how we know the spirit is working in and among his people. And so Paul here in 1 Corinthians 12, I'm just gonna go down this. Let's go in verse four. It says, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Holy Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, for the common good. Let's stop right there just for a second. I wanna just give you some examples from the Bible and maybe categorize these. Now look, these I'm getting these categorizations from um, a pastor named John Tyson. They're not necessarily in the Bible, but I think it helps us, you know, put things in order. Look at how Paul uses this verse. He talks about a variety of gifts and he ties it to the spirit. He talks about a variety of services or ministries and he ties it to the Lord. Jesus. And then he talks about a variety of activities 
works and he ties that to God. Look at the, the Trinitarian, look at the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in this text and how the gifts of, that God gives us are tied to the Trinity. I'm gonna work our way backwards and go up, all right? First, he says activities. There are, there are varieties of activities or workings and he ties it to God the Father because God the Father, Jesus said, is always working. <laughs> he is the God who is active, who is at work within us. And I wanna give you some examples from the scriptures of uh, maybe a category of spiritual gifts. Here's one. There are spiritual gifts that motivate. There are gifts that motivate. These are giftings that God will place within the body to stir up passion to serve. We need people that are gifted in stirring us up to serve God. An example is found in Romans chapter 12, verses six through eight, it says, we have different gifts that differ according to the grace. There you go, gifts and grace in the same, in the same usage again. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who gives in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. I wanna just point out these gifts are gifts that motivate us to serve God. And you can see this chart here. This is a great chart that Pastor John Tyson puts out. I love it. Um, and he just shows you what these gifts are and how they're used to motivate us. You know, we need people that have the gift of prophecy that will declare to us the will of God. It keeps us centered on what God wants. We need people with the gift of serving that meet practical needs in love. We need people with the gift of teaching that help us explain truth. We need people that encourage us, people that are championing our spiritual prog progress. They keep us applying God's spiritual truth in our life. Listen, I love this. Giving is actually a spiritual gift. That means that God will give people a grace to give. Sure enough, as I'm preaching to you today, you're, there's people out there who are thinking, man, I'm just, I don't, I don't prophesy. I don't serve in this way. But man, you have such a heart to give. You're a generous person. I'm, tell, I'm speaking to someone today. Listen, don't neglect that gift. God has given you a grace. He's given you a gift and generosity and you serve the body of Christ with your generosity. He puts in the body people who are leaders. They provide leadership, direction. They keep us focused on mission. We have people that are, have a gift of mercy. They just, they care for people. They keep us centered on the love of God. The, Jesus gives us this gifts. The Holy Spirit gives us these people to keep us motivated. We need each other, man. The gifts are given to build up one another. You are needed in the body of Christ. Another gift is the gifts of ministry. These are gifts where that they give a place and a position to serve in the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter four and verse 11, it says, so Christ gave himself to the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. All right, here are spiritual gifts given to serve in ministry roles. Now, I wanna just take a moment and say, you know what ministry is? 
various ministries are, that's a ministry isn't a way for you to get known. It isn't a way for you to get seen. It isn't a way for you to get heard. Ministry is about serving. The word minister, if you know where it comes from, it actually comes from a, a Greek word and, and it means under rowers. It describes slaves who are at the bottom of these big ships back in antiquity and in the bottom, in the gully, they are the people that are under everything and rowing the ship and keeping the ship moving forward. Those people were the ministers. That's where we get that word from. The people hidden in the dark that are working their tail off to keep the ship moving in the right direction. That's what a minister is. It's not about being known or being seen. It's about serving and moving the kingdom of God forward. And we need these people. We need apostolic people who are, who, who are like spiritual entrepreneurs. They're sent out. They pioneer and lead new things. We need prophetic people that hear from God and what God is speaking in the hour. We need evangelists who are always recruiting new people into the kingdom of God. We need pastors who nurture and care for the flock. We need teachers who help us understand the scriptures and obey them. Listen, we need these people. We need these roles in ministry, but it's about moving the ball forward. And the last one are manifestation gifts. These are gifts that are given to us that they keep us passionate for the power and the presence of God. And those are found here in 1 Corinthians 12. This is an example of those. And I'm just gonna read it real quick. He says, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom and to another, the utterance of knowledge or some translations say a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits or the discerning of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. I love these gifts. These are some of my favorite gifts, the gifts of manifestation. And really what's supposed to happen when we gather in a gift of manifest, a word of knowledge or prophecy, your tongues go out. What a manifestation gift is supposed to do, it's supposed to make the believer and the unbeliever in the room end up saying, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And it leaves us in awe and wonder. It leaves us passionate for the things of God. It leaves us with a burning sensation in our bellies for the power and the presence of God that we need so bad. We need words of wisdom. What is that? That's when the spirit gives us special insight on how we ought to approach a situation or how we ought to be living our lives in light of the situations we find ourselves in. Y'all, we, we need people to operate in the spirit of wisdom right now, to get words of wisdom. We need wisdom on how Christians ought to be living in these very difficult and confusing times. I believe the spirit of God is gonna raise people up, give them words of wisdom of how Christians should be living their life right now in 2021. We need that. We need people with words of knowledge. That's when the spirit gives special insight on information you previously did not know. 
I was talking this week to a Presbyterian minister, believe it or not, the Holy Spirit, he was substitute teaching at a school and a girl walked in his class and the Holy Spirit dropped a word of knowledge in his spirit that that girl had been dabbling in witchcraft. And he had an opportunity to minister to that young lady and show her the deception of that, which leads us to the next one, which is discernment. The spirit of discernment, discernment of spirits. It's, this is how we shield those who are vulnerable among us from misleading influences that will lead them away or deceive them. Parents, you need, see, this is why you need the Holy Spirit in your life right now. You need the gift of discernment. You need people in your circle that have the gift of discernment so they can say, hey, I don't think that little Johnny needs to be hanging out with so-and-so. I don't think that's the best thing for them. I, there, maybe there's something going on there and they're gonna mislead them or lead them away. They shouldn't go here. They shouldn't do that. They shouldn't listen to that. We need discernment for this age. We need faith and healing and miracles. We need people to rise up that have an intense faith for situations that the body of Christ finds itself in. We need, we need unknown tongues and interpretation and prophecy. We need these things at work in our midst. And just one little thing about prophecy. You know, prophecy is not necessarily predicting the future. The function of a prophet is to hear what God is saying about a specific situation. It's what the community of faith needs to hear most in the moment. Go back and read the Old Testament. Go back and see how the Spirit operates in the prophets. Sometimes it did predict future events, but most of the time it's calling the people to repent and bringing them back to the word of God that they had abandoned. We need people, prophets that will arise, that will encourage and exhort and build up the body of Christ. That's not predicting futuristic things, but they're saying, this is what God is saying in this moment to his church. We need to listen. We need to hear what God is saying. So I wanna challenge you today. Number one, don't be sweet on the gifts, but salty on the grace of God. The gifts of the spirit are always tethered to Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. And they're tied to his mission. Jesus said, I'll give you power. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. He's gonna empower you to be witnesses. He doesn't say, I'm going to empower you to have great spiritual experiences, spiritual highs, so you can float up to the third heaven. It's not that. He wants to empower you to encourage and to build his kingdom and to lift up the body of Christ. And maybe you're out there and you don't, you don't, you, you think spiritual gifts are crazy. You think they're weird. You, you don't really know what's going on with them. I want to encourage you today just the same way Paul encourages the Corinthians. Listen, Paul doesn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, the Corinthians are going nuts with spiritual gifts. They're going there, but Paul doesn't tell them, hey, stop, stop the whole spiritual gifts thing. No more spiritual gifts. We're just getting back to the gospel. He doesn't do that. He encourages them further into the spiritual giftings. He doesn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. He encourages, he says, desire. You need to desire the gifts of the spirit. So if you're out there today and you're thinking, ah, this ain't for me, it is for you. You need to desire the gifts of the spirit because God has a gift for you because he wants to use you. There's nothing more fulfilling than being used by God in a gifting that he created and has graced you with. 
you need to be operating in these graces. How, how can we have gifts of the spirit? How, how, how can, if they're grace, how do we, how, how can we get them? It's, it's simple. You receive it just like you receive salvation. You receive it the same way you receive Christ. It's a grace. You can't really earn it, but what you can do is put yourself in a position to receive. My son Silas, he's playing baseball and I'm the coach from the sidelines and I'm watching, he's, he's playing third base and I'm watching the way the guy's swinging and I can tell he's swinging maybe a little bit late and the ball is gonna go closer up the middle. What I tell Silas is, Silas, hey, Silas, scoot over this way a little bit. Scoot that way, son. I'm, what am I doing? I'm putting him in position to receive what's about to come his way. And the best I can tell you today is you need to desire the spiritual gifts. You need to discover the spiritual gifts, develop them in your life and use them for the glory of God. Put yourself in a position to receive from the spirit of God. Let me pray for you today. Father, I pray for your people. I pray that we would be a people filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with grace and gifts. I pray both of those things would be evident in our life, the charis and the charisma. I pray we would be, the Spirit of God would be at operation in our midst. I pray for people in the body of Christ to receive words of knowledge, words of wisdom. I pray for people, prophetic people to rise up. I pray, God, for people that they serve, they encourage, they give. I pray for the gifts to be in operation. It's the sign, it's the symbol that you're at work within your people. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining today. Listen, we have a special night coming up next Sunday night. We're calling it Spirit Night. It's gonna be a night, six o'clock here at the Crossing Church. We're gonna come together and just receive the Holy Spirit. We're just gonna put ourselves in a position to receive from Him. And I'm believing that He will pour Himself out on His people in a mighty way. So I invite you to that. And of course, nine and 11 live, 10 right here on Virtual Church. Send me your prayer request. Put it uh, in the email there. I love praying for you. I love hearing from you. And we will see you soon.